Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back to the next edition of the Unity Talks podcast, where I am your host, David Cathy, where we interview executives from across DFW in accounting, finance, tax, information technology. And those are all the fields that Unity Search focuses on for your recruiting and staffing needs. And our guest today is Jennifer Black. Jennifer is the CFO of Sadat. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you being here so much. I've been sitting here stressing out going, oh my gosh, how do I say the name of the company, Sadat? How do I say the name of this company, Sadat? So Jennifer, you have to enlighten us. Like, What in the world is Sadat? Absolutely. Well, Sadat Group Inc., we're a publicly traded company. We're traded on NASDAQ under the ticker SDOT. We are a global food supply company. Um, currently, right now, we operate in three segments of the food supply chain. Um, the first one and our largest one is the commodity, physical commodity trading, mm-hmm. where we ship physical food and feed commodities, your grain, soy, corn, all over the world. Um, we also, our second one is we have a farm. We have about a 5,000 acre farm in Zambia, Africa. That's awesome. Yes, they grow um, wheat, soy, um, maize, and then we have avocado trees and mango trees. Really? Mm-hmm. What is maize? Maize, uh, corn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Shows yeah. you how educated I am on uh, the global food supply chain yeah, here. That, okay. That's what's, right. what's the third the one? The third one is um, we have three different restaurant concepts with over 45 restaurants in the United States and Kuwait. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about how you got back from an Africa safari because you visited the farm in Zambia. I did. And um, when we purchased the farm, you know, due diligence, CFO, I got to go make sure what we're buying, right? Um, yeah, of course. And so uh, I was like, okay, you cannot go to Africa without going on a safari. Yeah. And so got to go to a safari, got to be within throwing distance of a lion and yeah. elephant and everything else. Wow. It was really cool. What a bucket list item. It absolutely was. So memorable. So memorable. That's so cool. You also did something that is another bucket list item for people who find themselves in a CFO seat. Yes. Working at a company that is publicly traded. So tell us a little bit about what you did and how cool that was. Absolutely. So in July, the company rebranded from its original name to Sadat Group. And as part of that, we changed our ticker and everything. And with the rebranding, we got to ring the bell at NASDAQ again. And um, I might have pressured the CEO to tell him that I was ringing the bell because it was a bucket list <laughs> item. And he so graciously let me do it. And so I got to push the button and ring in NASDAQ. Oh, that is so cool. And they video that. I'm sure you have like a little video of it. Oh, they, they do. They, they video the whole thing and they put you up in Times Square. And then it's hilarious because all the people are outside watching you because they think you're somebody important. Yeah. And so you have this whole crew of people watching you because they think you're you know, somebody famous yeah. and they don't realize that you're just some nobody ringing yeah. the bell. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, little do they know. And so this is, that, that's such a great setup and segue for me. Little did they know that the young lady that was ringing that little bell at the NASDAQ was from Godly, Texas. That is right. I'm sitting there going, I remember a guy from Godly, Texas that lived down the hall from me in the dorm my freshman year in college. And it all came flooding back to me when I was chatting with you. How does someone from Godly, Texas, end up in a CFO seat of a publicly traded company. So you kind of got to fast track us through this. We can fast track. Um, So I kind of had a little bit of a different career path 
originally. Yeah. Um, you know, high school thinking, oh, I don't know what I want to do. I'm good at math. Maybe I'll go to engineering. So I went to school at Texas Tech, freshman orientation. They're like, all right, engineering students, you have to go take a science placement test. And I was like, oh, no. I don't do science. <laughs> Not a science person. I'm like, all right, maybe business. I'm good at, I'm good at numbers. Let's do finance and accounting. So went that route. Um, thought the entire time I wanted to go finance. I wanted to work Wall Street. I wanted to trade on the floor of Wall Street. Growing up in Godly, I wanted to get as far away from Godly. I was never moving back there. Yeah. I wanted to move the city. 9-11 um, happened when I was in college. Yeah. No more jobs. I mean, that market kind of was shot. And so I was like, all right, I have enough hours to set for my CPA. CPA. I'm going to go audit. I knew I didn't want to do tax. I hate tax. I don't need to do my own taxes. <laughs> Neither not, do I. Yeah, not a tax. Amen. <laughs> and so went audit. Um, I, and I went and worked for RSM mm -hmm. for almost eight years. And uh, from there, I just kind of moved up. I went and worked for one of my clients as their SEC reporting. And then I moved up to controller, CFO, and just kind of worked my way up. Yeah. Just yeah. a lot of hard work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's really interesting when I think about that because, you know, I, so both of my girls uh, graduated college within the past, you know, six years. And, you know, when you're a kid going to college, it's like, oh my gosh, I got to, you know, pick a major and I've got to bulldog through this and all that. Other. And then as a parent, I'm sitting back and I'm like, they're way too young to figure out what they want to do for the rest of their life. And they're stuck with that. Now, I didn't stick with finance. I did finance for, you know, six years and I'm like, okay, I got to get out from Excel. I got to go <laughs> talk to people and help people in a different way. Um, and, and you had a couple of changes because yes. yours was going to be uh, engineering. And then it's like, nope. So it's almost, it's, it's kind of refreshing to hear uh, you didn't feel like you were stuck and you could change and still be successful from that. What did you learn from those lessons? Um, so I'm the type of person that I'm not going to give up. I'm going to figure out a path, and if it doesn't work, I'm not afraid to say it doesn't work either. Mm. We're all going to make mistakes. Mm. It's normal. Not everything works for everybody. And so I'm not going to just keep pushing through and make it worse and make it worse. I'm like, all right, cut my losses. Let's try something else. Yeah. It's all right. Um, I mean, that's kind of what I've done in my career, too, is I haven't stuck with one industry. Yeah. I, if you look at my resume, I have bounced at public accounting, financial institutions, oil and gas, um, agriculture, now into, you know, commodities, public and private. I mean, I've kind of been all over the place, but I think that allows me to learn something new, mm -hmm. to try something challenging. I want to be challenged and I want to keep learning. I don't want to be stagnant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When as a recruiter, you look at someone's background like that and, and you can kind of have two different thoughts. You can kind of think, wow, okay, they're really well-rounded, so they can do, they're, they're very diverse, so they can do a bunch of different things. And that's how a lot of recruiters think. Conversely, a lot of recruiters also think from like, okay, my hiring manager, the CFO of this company, like, what is this person going to think? Because this company is, you know, a manufacturing company or a real estate company or pick an industry. And often they want to see someone like, no, I need someone that's almost only been manufacturing or only been commodities or only been real estate. And I just feel like that limits diversity of thought. And, you know, when you come into a new organization, you, you have a fresh perspective, you have fresh eyes and coming from a different industry. Often, I think you can add so much more value to how a company is operating and the way they look at things. Well, and I've actually realized that a lot is you need somebody that has an open mind 
that has seen things being done another way and that it's also embraces change. Mm. I mean, when you're coming into a company, they're not bringing in a CFO just to keep status quo. You need to make things more efficient, more effective. You need to make it run better. Well, if all you've been doing is, let's just say, commodity trading, then you're only thinking about it one way. I've seen it done five or six other ways. And so they may not all work. Some of them may work. Mm. But at least gives me that idea of, hey, let's try it this way. Let's do it this other way. I'm also always asking my team, hey, can you think of doing it a different way? I'm open to suggestions to change, um, trying to be nimble, figure out the best way to do things. Well, that's really good because it reminds me of when we've talked uh, previously about how, you know, you were at an organization that I think was sold by a private equity Mm -hmm. firm and and you are out looking for a new person or a new opportunity for you mm-hmm. and happen to be at one of your kids' games, yep. stumble into a, a coach that's coaching the team, and he's like, I want you to come work for me. And, and I'd love for you to tell a little bit of that story because you had the opportunity to walk into an industry that you have no experience in, and the company was really, really small. And y'all were seeking, intentionally seeking out ways to offer investors in that company to a, a way to maximize their investment and to grow the organization. And I think that right there is w- you taking the bull by the horns, right? So tell us a little bit about how that transpired. Well, yeah, random story. This is where it shows you that hard work pays off. Yeah. Um, so former coach of my son's baseball team, he had seen me at my son's baseball team with my laptop on my lap all weekend working. And um, he knew I worked a lot just because it's in my nature, not mm-hmm. necessarily because I have to, um, and told him I was, you know, we'd sold the company and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And that's when he was like, you need to come work for me. Mm. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go back and work for another public company. Been there, done that. Don't know if I want to do it. Um, but I always want to challenge. I want I want to challenge. Looked at their financials. They were a challenge. It was, <laughs> it was something that I could see I would like to do. Yeah. And so I met with the CEO, loved him. He's great. And um, started working there. And I was there about hmm, six or seven months when we decided, hey, we need to do something. Um, can we, do we need to do an acquisition? Do we need to do something else? And reverse merger, whatever. And then this opportunity came along and we're a consulting group with an experienced group of commodity traders, farmers, mm-hmm. logistics. They've been doing this for years. And they were looking a way to enter the public market. And instead of doing a reverse merger or something like that, we crafted a kind of an interesting way to do it where when they drove net income into the business, they got shares of stock. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we entered into the commodity trading business. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't just entering into it with the whim with, oh, we're just gonna start commodity trading. We don't know anything about it. No, we did it the right way. We brought in consultants with years and years of experience that have been doing this, which is what has let us be so successful so far and generate so much revenue and gone from you know, a restaurant-based company that made $10 million, $10 million worth of revenue to the first nine months of this year, over $550 million in nine months. And that was all in less than a year. Yeah, that's such a great story because A, it's, you know, the presentation of who you are as a person to others, right? People are always watching, right? Your kids are always watching you. Your employees are always watching you. You know, the coaches of your son's team are, are you know, they're watching. When you don't think they are. When you don't think they are. Like, mm-hmm. no, I'm just over here in my sweats, like, you know, 
trying to get all this stuff done while a little tournament ball is going on and mm-hmm. people are paying attention. But then what, you know, the flip side of that is you going into an organization and now you're taking your eyes, talking about watching, right? You're taking your eyes, fresh perspective, looking at the organization and going, okay, I am fiduciarily responsible to maximize the investment of our owner, our CEO, the people who own the organization. And you're taking advantage with those fresh eyes of different opportunities that you see in the marketplace. And you said... We didn't do it kind of whimsically. We did the research. We, but many people, they get caught. You know, you freeze analysis paralysis yes. where you just freeze and you overanalyze. I know that's in my nature is to kind of analysis paralysis. And so it's really good. Your nature may be some of that a little bit, but you're also like, hey, guys, if we don't do that it, and when we fail, we'll learn mm-hmm. at worst and we can always recover. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just such a good, like, fresh perspective for an organization. Well, and I think it helps, too, that we have a really good team that are open to new ideas that aren't just, we're a restaurant company, that's all we can be as a restaurant company. Mm-hmm. We're looking at what can we be. Mm-hmm. We want to be the entire food supply chain. We don't want to stop where we're at now. We want to continue to grow. We want to be one of the big players. Yeah. Now, we're not going to do it all at once and grow too fast. We're going to do it strategically, hire the right group of consultants, you know, just like we did the first time and continue to expand that way. You know, if we want to buy a new farm, we're going to do the research and buy it in the right area. Yeah, I love that. It's that saying, right? If people aren't laughing at your dreams, then your dreams aren't Mm -hmm. big enough. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're like, we want to be, we want to be one of the biggest players around, you know, and that's what we're going for. Now we're not going to do it overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it took us 20 years to be an overnight success, you know, and that's the way we think about unity search. You know, we're like, we want to own Texas and we're going to get there eventually. You know, it may take some time, but we want to own Texas and taking the right steps. I think it's so important to dream big. And I feel like some people's dreams get crushed early on, you know, so I love that y'all are taking steps. Now I have to ask you, so we, we want to talk a little bit about hard work. We want to talk about work ethic because, you know, y'all, when Jennifer and I were talking, it was like, she was so passionate about, um, I walked away from that. And I even told her this, Jennifer, I walked away from this thinking, you know, hey, I may not be the smartest person in the room, but I am going to outwork you. I'm going to figure it out. I'm relentless. I'm not going to stop. I look for people with work ethic. And you were saying it, you know, even the word workaholic, and sometimes that said so much with a negative connotation and the way you were delivering it and your passion behind it, it was it was neutral, if not a positive way to look at it. And I'm like, Jennifer, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> like we're talking about work ethic because people are struggling with that right now. Whether some think it's generationally different, um, some just, you know, post COVID, it's just not there anymore because people want that quality of life because you never know when it's going to end. So why, why does work ethic, why does workaholic, like, why is there such a negative connotation to it for some? I think it's because they think just because you're a workaholic, that's all you do. I mean, that's not the case. You can be a workaholic and you can, I am, I will own up to it, but also try not to ever miss a game that my kids are playing in. If they have something going on at school, I'm going to be there. Um, So you can still have a work, you know, you can still have a work-life balance. I mean, really, what is that? Um, it's it's different to each person. Yeah. Um, and be a workaholic. Yeah. You just alter your schedule. Yeah. You stop working, go hang out with the kids, and when you get home, if you still have more to do, I do more. Yeah. Or adjust the schedule around. I really think, though, the way 
where I got my work ethic was definitely from my upbringing. Um, my dad and mom constantly going. Very rarely do you see them sitting on the couch doing anything. I grew up on a farm, mm. on a dairy farm. There is always work to be done. Oh, I'm sure. Before school. Yeah. Well, I would like to say I got up and milk cows, but I'm not going to lie to you. Um, <laughs> that's how I learned how to cook because I could either go outside and do work or I could go cook with my grandma. And I learned how to cook that way because okay. that was a lot better than feeding cows. Um, At what time in the morning? Before I was up. Yeah. Um, but seeing my grandfather run the dairy farm and my dad run multiple companies and stuff like that, they were always working. And even when they got home, they were doing stuff at, help, at the house. And we were not, you know, I'm not going to lie, I'm not, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm never going to be. I will outwork 99% of the people there, though. Mm -hmm. And if I can't figure it out, I make sure I hire the right people that do know how to do it. Yeah, Or I'll good. go do research. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. good. Yeah, I don't, it is confusing to me because I'm, I fall in that same, like, I want to be, I'm wired to be a little bit of a workaholic, but I also want to be a husbandaholic and a dadaholic and all the other aholics that are positive aholics, you know, <laughs> not the negative or that could be negative aholic. Mm. Um, and I feel like I can do that. You know, sometimes I'm better than in one, one area, you know, it's really hard to hit a home run. Oh, I don't three think, times at bat. I don't you think know? you can. I think I think there's going to be periods mm. where you're a better mom than you are boss, but you know, vice versa. And you know, I can tell you during quarter end, I may work a lot more yeah. than I do other. But that's that's yeah. part of the that's part of the business. Yeah. Um, luckily, I have an amazing husband because I couldn't do my job if he didn't do all the stuff that he did. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. good. Yeah, shout out to the husbands he, and he, wives and partners. He is absolutely, I couldn't do my job if he didn't do everything he did. So you you can trace it back to your parents and your upbringing. But here's the thing, it's it's stuck with, you know, so many people, they grow up on a farm or they have parents that are that, they work really hard and they're like, I'm not doing that. Why did it stick with you? Well, I saw that, okay, we didn't grow up rich, mm -hmm. didn't grow up rich, grew up, grew up on a farm. My dad worked for everything he had, made himself successful, and has done well on his own. I saw that you can do that. You don't, you, I can work hard. Um, also, maybe I'm a little bit weird. Nothing motivates me more than somebody telling me I can't do something. You tell me I can't do something, I'm like, watch me. Mm. I don't care how many hours I have to work to do it or what I have to do. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like people who have that work ethic nature have that competitive it's probably Fire. years of playing sports. Yeah. Um, or, you know, and I'm not going to lie, my family is probably one of the most competitive families ever met. I mean, I've had an aunt that we've broken ribs over a game of spoons at Christmas. Okay. We're, we're <laughs> like legit competitive family. Okay. Um, and No, I will not go to your house <laughs> for a holiday. Come on, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's just in my genes. I want to be the best at whatever I'm doing, yeah. whether it be work whether it had been school, what, you know, and I wasn't the most athletic. I wasn't the smartest, but I worked really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I'm trying to picture you and people like you in an environment in public accounting where that, I mean, it is pretty, that's challenging, right? Because mm -hmm. everybody's that type A personality, yes. director, driver, let's go. I want to get the promotion before you get the promotion. I want to get the big, big industry job before you get the big industry job. And so it feeds on itself. Um, but one of the challenges that I feel like we talk about with leaders all across DFW um, who are looking to hire people is 
there's a sense that we get of frustration. It's like, David, how do you find people that are going to, you know, not punch in at nine and punch out at five and take an hour and a half lunch and then want to get promoted and make, you know, get a merit increase of, you know, 10%. And they're just, there's this overwhelming frustration that we hear. It's this underlying current that's in the market today. And it's really hard for us to answer that because it's so person by person basis. Mm-hmm. W- what do you see uh, in your in your lens, in your organization, and in your circles related to that? We've seen a lot of the same thing. We've struggled with it. I, I hate to say this, probably went through more people this year than I ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, just because if I can see that it's not working in the first 30, 60 days, I'm not going to string them along for six months. doesn't do good for anybody. Um, but I have, when I look for somebody, I want to look for somebody about looking at the resume that they're, you can see the work. You know, if I'm hiring somebody straight out of college, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want the one with the 4.0 that all they did was go to school. I'll, I'll look for somebody that I'd rather hire somebody that had to work two jobs to put himself through college and made a 3.0. They worked. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of effort to do what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to look at the same thing when I look at resumes. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it's not. Um, but also, like, I try to find good people, and then I take them with me wherever I go. The director of accounting I have right now, this is a fourth company she's worked for me. Oh, wow. I just kind of take her where I go because yeah. <laughs> yeah. she's my right hand. She knows what I, she can pretty much knows what I'm thinking, so I know that she's going to get stuff done. Yeah. So when you can find people you trust that work well with you, you just keep bringing them wherever you go. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. so good. You made a great point about when you look at resumes. You know, we've we've literally had multiple clients that say, we don't want someone that just went to school. We want someone who, yeah, maybe they didn't have the best grades, but they were a student athlete or they were heavily involved in some function mm-hmm. at school or they had to work to put themselves through school. They had something else that was out there that they had to leverage and they still did good enough in the job. And, you know, we hear things like, well, it teaches them time management. It teaches them discipline. It teaches, and that's what you need to be successful in the job. You can normally teach a person what to do. You can't teach them to show up and give everything, to give the 100%. You can teach them how to do a cash reconciliation. Yeah. But teaching them how to think for themselves instead of just following the steps or when they hit a hiccup to be able to work things out on their own before just stopping saying, I don't understand. Yeah, that's really good. And you said something a few minutes ago, and I cannot tell you how many people have sat in that chair and said something so similar, which is I've, I've learned to hire people. And if in 30, 60 or 90 days, you know, which back in the day when I was a kid, it was like your probationary (laughs) period. That's what we all called it. Now I don't, I don't know anybody that calls it that Mm -hmm. anymore. But if, if I know they're not going to work out, then we go ahead and cut each other loose. And, and you know, there's a thing in, um, in EOS that we've talked about before where it's like 36 hours of pain. Like it is painful to let someone go oh, because yeah. you care about them and you want. But I'd rather go through that 36 hours of pain than the nine months of pain that you kept them there and they're out of their depth or you're frustrated, but you feel closer to them and tied to them emotionally because... They're a good person, yeah. you know, and that's something that I can't tell you how many times, Jennifer, I hear that and I'm like, all right, David, you've got to start operating like that. 
You know what I mean? It's better for the organization. And it's better for that person that you're letting go because you've set them free to go find the job that's a better fit for them. And it's so hard to remember that. Well, and then also, you're spending a ton of time training them. If they haven't picked up on it in 30, 60 days, they're not going to pick up it on 90 or 120. Mm-hmm. So you're, I mean, they're, you're just creating extra work for yourself. You're, yes, you have to train somebody else again, which is that usually that's why you don't let the person go because you know you're oh, short-staffed and yeah. you can't feel. Sometimes you just got to say, okay, we're going to suck it up. We know we're all going to have to put in the extra. Like we went down to where we only had two people. I was having to do cash reconciliations and AP, but we knew that little bit of temporary pain was going to put us in a better position in the long run. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's just something that needs to be done. Well, and I think, you know, on the flip side of that, first off, you know, you're doing that uh, to use a word that I think is hopefully becoming more in common, more common in the workplaces. You're doing that out of love, right? You love the person because you want them to go find a better job. You also love your team and you want to, you love your company and it sets you up better. An, an effect of that, right, That the cause and effect, right, an effect of that is you're giving your team opportunity, if they have the work ethic, to step up to the plate where you see promotional and succession planning paths for them. Have you been able to take advantage of that? Oh, absolutely. Um, so ha- take one example. We had a lady that started as AP. Mm-hmm. She started as AP last year. She was knocking it out of the ballpark. So we said, okay, we had a senior accountant position come, or I believe the senior accountant position came up and say, Okay, she's been doing good. Let's just try the next step. Let her take on a little bit more responsibility. Every bit, little bit more we gave her, she started doing better. She's now a senior accountant. Wow, wow. Yeah. And that's why when you, when you go other places, they want to come with you because people may be hampered by the fact that, oh, they don't have the, they may not even have a four-year degree from college or they do have a four-year degree from college, but it wasn't the best degree, but They've learned that, man, if you can do what Jennifer tells you to do and just do a little bit more, do one more, you know, just one more every single day, one more phone call, Mm -hmm. one more whatever it is, one more journal entry, you know, whatever you're doing, do one more. The compound effect of that over time is ridiculous. And then your leader recognizes it, right? And is going to help you create a career path, which comes financial obligations for you that helps you with a little bit more freedom, right? No, absolutely. I mean, the one I told you I brought with me for four different companies. Four companies ago, she was a staff accountant. She's wow. now the director of accounting, accounting of a large public company. I mean, but it's because her work ethic is phenomenal. Have you seen uh, the people that work for you? Because I know that's your passion thing, and you look at the resumes, and there's ways that you look at the resumes that you just talked about. What are some other qualities that you've seen in you or in them that you feel are consistent? I think um, kind of one of the things that you preached on earlier, and we've discussed it before, that achiever. Mm. Um, you know, people that have done the strengths test and stuff like yeah. that. Usually people that have the achiever or that competitiveness in it, we don't give up. Yeah. And I think not giving up is half the battle. I do too. It's because... You, I mean, I'm not going to lie. We are in a firefight 95% of the time. You can either crumble or you can say, you know what? We're going to stick it out. We're going to figure this out and we're going to be better at the end. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I just had a, I had a call with um, one of our uh, employees on our team and I'm like, look, the reality of it is you have three choices. And for me, two are not optional. You can fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And two of those are, they're just not even a question. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to freeze and I'm not going to flight. 
I am going to fight for what it is, right? Because if I can do that consistently, you're, you know, like they talk about in your brain, you're building neuro pathways. You can always build new neuro pathways of how you think and it changes your thought process. And for me, um, you know, I literally picture my neuro pathway of the ability to fight and, and I'm going to achieve this is so deep. It's like the Grand Canyon in my brain right now. Like I am going to win at this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hear. So you're looking for that mm-hmm. in your employees. What, what, else, what other qualities do you think are consistent? Um, I think the ability to be nimble, to do whatever comes at you, mm. you know, people to be able to figure out things on your own. To somebody not have to just walk you through exactly how to do it. Use your brain. You may come up with a better way to do it than I am. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, also, I want people that, I don't want to hire somebody that anything is below them. I like that. Um, I have no problem picking up a cash rack and doing a cash rack if it needs to be done. If AP needs to be coded and my team needs help, I'm going to code AP. Doesn't matter that I'm the CFO. Yes, there's controls in place where other people review it. Um, But nobody should say, oh, that's not my job. Because we are a team. It is all all of our job. Yeah, I really like that. I think um, so resourcefulness, right, on the first one. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah, I'm going to figure it out. Um, I love that, too. And then the ability to wear many different hats, especially when you're at a smaller company, it's easier to, well, it's, uh, what, what's the saying? You don't have a choice. It's, yeah, you don't have the choice. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it's. Because um, my group is, we're accounting, IT, HR, um, janitor, whatever, yeah. you know, you are whatever needs to be that day. Yeah, it could be simple, but it's not easy at times because mm-hmm. you're having to face things that you've never faced before. When you get into a larger organization, that can be really more challenging because you're siloed, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't even see the other side of the accounting department because the accounting department has over a hundred people in there. Right. But when you, you don't have a choice, yeah. I remember I have a friend that's so funny. You say, I remember I have a friend, um, who went to SMU's entrepreneur, uh, an MBA in okay. entrepreneurship. And then he opened up his own company and he used to call me up and he's like, David, like, this is really a lot harder than what I thought it was going to be. Like, I'm even taking out the trash and I'm sitting there and like, it was a big aha moment. And I'm like, so don't, I mean, don't we all like, we all do the things that we don't want to do in our job that everybody has that in their job. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just worked on shifting his mentality around that. And I think that's really good. Like nothing's training. Someone else has not beneath them no. answering the door, go getting the mail. Well, the, and that, I mean, as a manager, no matter what stage it is, training people and mentoring should be your number one priority because they are going to have, that's how you're going to grow. You can't ever move up or you can't ever take on different roles if you're not willing to train somebody and teach them how to do what you're doing. That's really good. So I, so I'm, I'm going to ask you a question on this because it's something that I've thought about a lot and I've had this conversation before with uh, a guy that's on my team. You know, when they're younger in their career, it's like training them, you're taking big leaps. Mm-hmm. And then as they become seasoned and better in their job, you know, I've told him because he'll come to me for feedback. He's like, man, I really want you to give me like super critical feedback. And I'm like, you know what? You're at a stage in your career now where the training or the information, I, it's just a nuanced difference. You're not making big leaps anymore. Mm-hmm. They're super nuanced because you've gone through the stage You've crawled and then you've walked. And now it's like 
you're getting you're sprinting and you're just getting a scotch faster than the last time. Is that something that you think resonates with you? No, absolutely. I mean, you you can't continue to grow in leaps and bounds like you did when there. I mean, that's just impossible. Um, and then you, I mean, you're going to keep growing and you're going to keep tweaking. I mean, I definitely am at a learning phase all the time. Mm-hmm. Is it as big? No, but at the position I'm at now, I'm constantly trying to watch what my CEO does and say, okay, what is he doing that I can learn from? Mm-hmm. He is phenomenal at speaking in front of people. Mm-hmm. I am not. Mm-hmm. So every time he speaks, I'm watching him and trying to pick up on what he does. Um, the way he handles investor relations and the um, political stuff that comes yeah. with being a public company. Sure. Um, I am a little too blunt and cut and dry. <laughs> so I'm trying to learn from him on stuff like that. And um, I think you just have to be open. And you have to, we all have to realize we are not perfect. We all have growing to do and just accept that. And yeah. you can either accept it and grow with it or you can reject it and just say, I'm going to stay the way I am. Yeah. And I want to constantly grow. I love that. I love what, what keeps your fire burning? Like what, what lights it and just keeps it? Cause it's lit and you could tell, but what keeps it going day in and day out? I honestly have no clue. I have, a, I go a hundred miles an hour all the time. Um, I think it's just that I want this company Whatever company it is, this one right now, that's the biggest thing. I want it to be successful. And I know that if it's going to be successful, I have to do certain things. And, I mean, why would I not want to be the CFO of a multi-billion dollar company? That'd be phenomenal. Yeah. I need to do my part to get us there. Yeah, well, Jennifer, you have so much passion coming out of you <laughs> on some of these things. Like, you could just tell, like, you're so passionate and you want the best for your people. And that's like... That's something that people are drawn to, you know, so never lose that because it's, it's well, fantastic. You're, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself yeah. with. And so I want, I want my people to be successful and I don't ever want them to leave, but it's also the biggest compliment when one of your people get a job somewhere else that's a high, like a high level job. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is true. Yeah. And then it's another, you've been hitting on all these things that we've talked about here before. Like you're the average of the five people you hang around the most. So, you know, choose your five people wisely and mm-hmm. If it's your team, elevate them and they're going to elevate you. You know, all these little things, they go so close hand in hand. One final question here for you as we wrap up. So what is a piece of practical advice that you would give to someone tomorrow that they could, we always end on this, that they could just start doing tomorrow to uh, work on work ethic or work on their career or direction? Do stuff out of your comfort zone. Like don't do your, this out of my comfort zone. But I know that if I'm going to be better at speaking in front of people, and just if like I'm your to, CEO, yes, if I'm going to do that, then I need to do stuff like this that's out of my comfort zone. I am better behind the behind the scene, behind the computer. That's my comfort zone. You're never going to get better at stuff if you're only doing the stuff you're comfortable doing. Yeah, so good. Well said, Jennifer. We are so happy that you pushed yourself <laughs> out of your comfort zone. There she is, Jennifer Black with Sadat, the CFO. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you had a good time. It was great for us, our listeners. And for our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Every other week, we record a new show with a new leader that you get to hear some. And isn't it funny how we have so many different people sitting in that seat, and they could be information technology, finance, tax, accounting. That's what we focus on. Our owners of companies who we had a few weeks ago, and yet... There's so many consistent things that they say. Push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Elevate people who you're surrounding yourself with. Like these are so, if people aren't going to work out, 
get rid of them within the first 30 days. I'm saying get rid. That sounds harsh. It's not harsh. It's out of love that you're letting them free to go do what they're going to be better at and then find the right person and elevate your staff and train them. Like these are so consistent things and it's crazy. I, I trust me. I'm not telling them this is what you need to talk about. This is just what the best of the best do. So we thank all of our guests who come onto our show. And until next time, we'll see you down the road. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.